I want to reiterate what I said to the class this morning. Janet and I always look forward to being able to be with you here at Northside. You are so encouraging. <clears throat> we always feel uplifted after we have been uh, with you. It does look like we have a, a larger number this morning than what I have been speaking to in times past, and we're just uh, thrilled that, that you are here. Those who are familiar with uh, country music, country western music, are familiar with names such as Lon Helton and Casey Kasem. And you're familiar with uh, Country Countdown and uh, Top 40 and Top 10. When it comes to Scripture, I realize we are not to have, uh, we need really all the Scripture. In fact, uh, Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he was quoting from uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And as our scripture reading a moment ago said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, that's what's right, reproof, that's what's not right, correction, that's how to get right, and training in righteousness, that's how to stay right, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I just quoted the King James translation of that. And I realize that we need all Scripture. However, I must admit that I have certain Scriptures that are more meaningful to me and more helpful in, at certain times. One time, I was thinking about a certain passage of Scripture, and the thought occurred to me, that has to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And then I thought of my top ten, and that thought intrigued me. And I thought, I wonder if I could develop a sermon on my top ten scripture. I mulled that over in my mind, thinking of very scripture, as I remember, for about a week. And then I started writing them down, and that list grew. I had about 50 passages of Scripture. And then came the hard work. How do you begin determining out of this your top ten? And then became the real hard work. How do you categorize or rank those? Well, I did that. And I'm going to share that with you today. Now, let me say at the very beginning, there's nothing magical about ten. And I admit that what is my top ten now might not be my top ten five or ten years from now. And if you make your top ten, you may not have the Scripture that I have. Now, let me say this. I believe that a whole lesson could be Developed on the also-rans, <laughs> those that did not make the top ten, but are there. And they might be on your top ten. I understand that. But this morning I have chosen to challenge us with a lesson that I have entitled, My Top Ten. Very first passage, 
Number 10 is Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10. You may want to turn there. Psalm 119, actually we will go through verse 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? Here's the answer. By keeping it, your NIV will say living it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander. Whoa, yes. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I treasured or hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Now, the question is, how can we become and remain pure and holy? How can we get right and keep right? I believe that there has never been a more important question for any man and never a fitter time than at the beginning of one's adult life. And the answer is by keeping it or living it according to your word. And let that become a divine principle that this is going to determine the right and the wrong. This is the standard that I'm going to use to align my entire life with. And I'm going to allow this to give me the strength to overcome the world and the flesh and the devil. Now, the key is thy word, the best thing, have I hidden or treasured in my heart, the best place, so that I might not sin, the best purpose. And so I look at that and I'm going, yes, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, is there. It may be number 10, but it made it. Number 9. Let's go to Lamentations, chapter 3. And let's read verses 22 through 24. The Lord's loving kindness... Or, as the King James says, which is my favorite in this passage, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Two things that you will find in this passage. First is divine compassion. I must admit that I do not understand how he who is so high and holy, so pure and majestic, can so love me. I want to do what's right, but I'm like Paul in Romans 7, and I just find myself doing not what's right. And the inclinations are there, and I can say no, and I do it. No, I don't want that. And as I have another whole sermon, I want to be God's holy person. And I do. But I find that I have 
problems. And so I say, how can God really love me? And all I can do is read this passage and recall and shake my head, thankful for a love that is so beyond human comprehension. That's the first thing, is God's compassion, but secondly, God's faithfulness and mercy. Three other passages that just have to be included here that support this idea. Psalm 36, verse 5, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. That's Psalm 36, 5. The next passage is Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. Know that the Lord your God, He is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. And then there's a New Testament passage. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. What is all of that saying? Brethren, we have not been thrown out to the enemy to sink or swim and to do it on our own against an enemy that we cannot stand up against alone. We've not been thrown out there. God is faithful. He is merciful. He will strengthen. We can make it with His help. I love Lamentations 3 which tells me the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. People, that's why. Number nine is Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24. Number 8, James 1, verses 2 through 4, and after studying this, I do not have the IV in front of me. I use the New American Standard most of the time, but the NIV is what I'm using here for this passage. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This acknowledges the fact that the Christian life is a struggle. It's a trial. It's challenging to my faith. But it assures that if I withstand faithfully through God's help and benevolence, I can mature spiritually. And I can know that for sure. So the Christian life is a struggle. I need need that on my, do I not have that? There we go. Christian life is a struggle. And uh, therefore, I can know that God is with me. So that is number eight. Now number seven. Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, 
Here is the story of the prodigal son. We know the story very well. He has squandered his, his father's inheritance. He's in the pig pen. He finally comes to himself, so the scriptures tell us. He decides, he makes up his mind, he decides that, that he's going to go home. And uh, now then, he is on his way, and Luke 15, verse 20, happens to be one of my favorites. Because here it is, we read it, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Here we find a parable. God, my father, loves me. Get this now. Even when I get into the pig pen of life and I am a dirty hog slopper. God still loves me. This prodigal came back. And incidentally, if you have not heard of the book, I highly recommend a book by Charles Hodge entitled, Will God Run? I, he wrote this about 50 years ago, and I, I used it so much, it had the fall aparts. And so about two years ago, I have loaned it to people. Seriously. I, I loaned it. Uh, I actually got it out to loan, and it fell apart in my hands, and I'm going, oh, my land. I was able, I'm happy to tell you, I was able to get another copy of Will God Run by Charles Hodge, and I loaned that book out to people who are having major sin problems. I recommend it highly. I think it can still be purchased. At least I did, uh, as I recall, about two years ago. Uh, But this tells me, this tells me that I can remember, and this is what caused that young man to be willing to go back home. He remembered what the good fellowship was in the family of Christians. That's what will bring our delinquent brethren back home, people, to remember that there's a loving fellowship here that will accept them and forgive them. I can remember when I had peace in my conscience instead of being so so, uh, guilt-ridden. And yes, that will cause me to want to come back home. And that's the reason that number seven has to be Luke 15 and verse 20. Number six, Psalms 118 and verse 24. I still prefer the King James. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This speaks of a joyous attitude. Annie's mailbox in the Salina Journal tells of a hairdresser who among her clients, there was one woman by the name of Agnes. And one day she was, the hairdresser was working on Agnes's hair. And she looked out the front window, and she saw that the clouds had come in, was rolling in, and she sadly said, the sun is gone. To which Agnes said, my dear, sometimes you have to make your own sunshine. 
I believe that that's what Psalm 118 verse 24 is saying. This is the day the Lord has made. I will, that's making up my mind, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I like the attitude of the little leaguer. First game, he was outfield, and uh, he fielded the ball, a big long hit, and he field, fielded it back to infield. And one of the people on the side said, uh, How, how's the game going and what's the score? And the young man said, okay, uh, we're behind 17 nothing." And uh, the man uh, that was talking to him said, well, are you discouraged? Are you ready to admit defeat? And the little boy said, defeat? He said, we haven't even been to bat yet. <laughs> I, I think that that's what we need to have that kind of an attitude. It expresses the belief that nothing will come to me today that the Lord and I cannot handle. My attitude is positive. I'm going to do the Lord's will. I don't care what happens. And thus, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Number five. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God remembers, and that reminds me of an Old Testament passage, Psalm 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a mother forget her baby at her breast and have no compassion on a child that she is born, though she may forget? I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This specifically says that God remembers our work and the love that we've shown to others. A more familiar passage might be Matthew 10, verse 42. That passage says, if anyone gives a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, verily in no way will he lose his reward. God rewards. I want that to, that to be there. I want you to understand. God does give rewards. Reward is defined as pay, recompense, remuneration. And in Matthew 5, verse 12, he even said the reward is in heaven. And so I like that one. That's Fantastic. All of this makes me want to do the Lord's work. Because Revelation 14 verse 13 said, Blessed are those that die in the Lord, that they may rest from their works and their, or rest from their works and their um, something. Yeah, the works do follow them. And so you've got it. Revelation 14 and verse 13. So there is my number five. God will remember, and he will reward. And that really causes me to want to serve him. Number four. Philippians 4.13. You knew that one would be here somewhere, didn't you? And that will probably be on your top ten, too. Philippians 4.13. King James is still my favorite on that one. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This affirms one other time 
that we are not on our own. We are not to fend for ourselves, sink or swim. And this tells us God gives strength spiritually to withstand the onslaught of Satan. As the scripture says, Now to him who is able to do abundantly or immeasurably above all, we ask or think according to his power who works in us. But these four, four words, I can through Christ, tell me that like Paul, he said in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, When I feel weak, I am actually strong. And so, number four, Philippians 4, verse 13. Romans chapter 8 has to come in the ranking of number three. And I could not just find one specific verse. You can tell that I've done a lot of thinking and studying this. And so I I want you to bear with me here. Romans chapter 8 is said to be the mountain peak of Romans. And Romans is said to be the peak of Scripture. And wow, you just read your your commentaries, what, what great people who have studied the Scriptures will say about Romans chapter 8, and you will be convinced. Romans 8 is a powerful passage of Scripture. Look at verse 1. First of all, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that soak in. Are you in Christ? No condemnation. We're more familiar with verse 28, and you're not surprised that that's here. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Okay, yeah, we got that one. And then verses 37 through 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. There's a book entitled More Than Conquerors. We are more. It it literally means over-conquerors. We overwhelmingly conquer. Not barely. We crush the enemy. What it says. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, King James says persuaded, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. These verses speak of salvation, providential care, and assured victory. This is blessed assurance that God's love is not fickle and Jesus' intercession is not faulty. I am safe in God. Because there is nothing that can separate me. Against my will, I am in like flint. I'm not teaching the impossibility of apostasy. You know that, brethren. I'm simply saying 
that we need to have more positive influence on blessed assurance. Amen. We need to emphasize that in the Lord's church because it's true. It's true. We can know we're saved. That's not being egotistical. First John 5.13 says so. And a whole lesson could be preached there too. So, you see that number three is Romans chapter 8. Now we're ready for number two. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Let us then... Approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We have a high priest who intercedes and he is actually the son of God. And he understands my temptations because he has experienced those. That's what this passage says. And one that is, in a way, a context with Hebrews 4 is Hebrews 2, verses 17 and 18. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he may make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help, King James says, succor those, uh, succor those who ha- are being tempted. It is the picture of a mother, and this is not vulgar, a mother holding her baby to her breast to give that baby suck or nurse and lovingly holding that baby. That's the picture. Don't you like that? When we are tempted and we're struggling, God is there and Jesus is holding us to encourage us. 1 John 1, verses 2, uh, 1 and 2, 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My children, I write these things, though that you will not sin. But if any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is going to plead our case for us. You can't get a better deal than that. For a judge to have his own son to be your lawyer. You can't beat that. Because that's exactly what we've got. And I love it. But let's look now at verse 16. This is really the reason that it has made number two. Verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. The King James will say boldness. That's not cockiness. But the, the confidence is in Jesus, the righteous one. And he says, let us do that, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, the first thing I want us to note is, when do you need most? When are you most needy? Isn't it when you have just sinned? Isn't it when you have just goofed? Right. And that's the very time that he says we can come to the, did you get this? Throne of grace, did you realize, have you ever zeroed in on the fact that God's grace is named, or pardon me, God's throne is named grace? It is, that's what it's called, the throne of grace. 
that we may receive mercy and find grace. I did not come up with this. I read it someplace. Perhaps you've heard it. The difference between mercy and grace, if you haven't, you, if you haven't heard it, you need it. And if you've heard it, you need to be reminded of it. Mercy. Don't give me what I do deserve. That's what you say to the policeman. As you have been pulled over. Don't give me what I do deserve. Mercy. Grace, give me what I don't deserve. That's the difference. And that's the reason that I have chosen Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, to come in at the number two spot of my top ten. And now we come to number one. And I had to struggle with this. 1 John 1 and verse 7. This is the only passage that I ever ask anyone that I study with to memorize. And I want to challenge you. I do not care what translation you you memorize it in, but please memorize 1 John 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies, King James cleanseth us from all sin. This is a word in the Greek that is present tense, continuing action. The blood of Christ continues to cleanse Every day, every minute. And it says all, and in the NIV, if you will look at the footnote, it will say every. Now put that one together. What this says is, it assures me, Jesus' blood continues to work, to cleanse me, to, I heard the word justify earlier. To stand me justified, which if you break it down, just if I, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. And so I don't stand guilty and condemned, although I cannot live perfectly. I just cannot. Sinful. Lustful thoughts. Maybe my, it's my mouth. And James 3 talks about that. All sin. There is no sin that I can repent of that Jesus' blood cannot wash away. But I think we need to note that this whole passage begins with a condition. He says, if, and that's the biggest little word in the English language. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. The word light is referring to the light of his word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And then your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. To walk means to live daily. 
And so your goal is to learn as much of the Word as you can, meditate on it, put it in your heart, and then live it in your life. And then we will have the blessed assurance that all is well with our soul. There you have it. That's my top ten. And I want to urge you to also develop your own top ten. And it may not be anything like my top ten. But that's fine. You make it yours. And then you began to memorize those things and live by those things. And you will be a good person in the sight of God. Now, with that said, don't these verses that I chose as my top ten encourage you? Wouldn't they make anyone a better Christian? It could be that there is something that's here that has caused you to say, you know, I need those assurances. I need to have that that knowledge. There is no condemnation to, to those that are in Christ, and I'm not necessarily in Christ because you're baptized into Christ. And so I have not done that. People, we're ready to render any assistance that you need in that area. And it could be that you have other needs and you want to ask prayers of concerned brothers and sisters. If there is any way that we can assist you, we would ask that you come forward while together we stand in heart.